Episode 2, What's Christianity All About? The second part. Welcome to uh, the host Eucharistic and Hipster Talk. I am your host Maverick Whitlow and uh, today we are continuing uh, the last or from the last uh, episode we had the first official episode which uh, was about the, the the issue of Christianity and what Christianity is about and I feel as though uh, I may have been somewhat vague about what constitutes Christianity. I, I I, do think I mentioned all of the things that I needed to say, but I think um, some of those issues um, could be rather ambiguous and, it, you know, some of the things may not even um, have hid home as well as I, as I uh, would have wanted them to. Uh, so, uh, before we begin, let's just start with a quick prayer. O Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who art everywhere present and fillest all things, treasury of good gifts and giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every stain, O Gracious One. So much of what the Gospel is tends to be clouded in many misconceptions. And, you know, answering that question of why am I a Christian, I think it's funny because many people when they ask that question they already assume so many things um, which is almost immediately dismissive of the Christian faith as a whole so they have their own experiences growing up in church and sadly is it's not really um, in indicative of anything that would constitute biblical Christianity now those are strong words but I think it you you know uh, I think that for most Christians uh, we we owe it uh, both to ourselves to God and to the people around us to give a biblically founded um, well reasoned philosophically consistent basis and substance of course of what Christianity is. I think uh, for most people when they hear about the gospel, uh, they dismayed with so many fairy stories. And I mean, when you really think about what people think about Christianity, um, it becomes the story that you tell that you tell seven and eight year olds in Sunday school, um, this, this sort of fairy story um, that, 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 that you tell them so that they can, uh, you know, uphold certain um, moral virtues about not lying, not stealing. And I mean, anyone could do that. Anyone could take a few children and put them together and say, um, you know, this is what happened to Jesus. This is what happened to Moses. But much of that fairy story sort of mentality, I think, tends to not go far enough. Um, 
I can I can remember growing up in mainline Christianity. I'm talking about ev- evangelicalism, um, being completely unsatisfied with the supposed spirituality that I was being taught. And I think for most people, when they come into contact with Christianity, this is the problem. Uh, this is the problem when you when you walk into Hillsong Church. Now, um, this is the kind of problems that you get in all of these mega churches, whatnot, because the, it it offers a form of spirituality. It offers even a form of godliness. It 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 appeals to the very modern man, but. Something. Some. Sometimes I've I've actually asked myself and I've wondered how much of this modern ways of looking at things. And I'm not talking about science, psychology. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the more uh, you know contemporary stuff. How much of that tends to cloud what uh, the ancient faith and spirituality of Christianity is? Because that's really what we're talking about. And that's really something that, I, that I'm quite passionate about. When I think of Christianity, I'm thinking of a, of a way of life, a spirituality that speaks to, f- to a philosophical way of doing things. It's something deeper than just Jesus love me, loves me, this I know. Although I do agree with that statement, I think there's more to just that. Christianity is a very, very deep spirituality. And you can, you can read Christian theologians East and West who have thought through some immensely, immensely thoughtful um, discussions, some difficult questions. And, uh, you know, this, is, this, this all comes rooted from a Christian spirituality. Uh, you know, science, m- many people don't know, th- know this, but the, the revolution of science as we have come to know it today was based on Christian principles. So for us to just say, well, well Christianity is just, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it, 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 it imprisons people, whatnot, is just nonsense. Now, um, I, I want to um, just you know, wrap around that. And today, I want to speak a bit about that. Ab- 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 about about some of, 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 of that stuff. Now, we did speak about it in the previous episode, but I want to speak today about rest. Rest. And when uh, you think about the word rest, you think about sleeping, you thinking about having a chilled time, you know, sipping coffee, watching a series, you think about eating a chocolate at your um, a- at your desk at work and just not working. You think about not working, you're thinking about taking a time out. Now, uh, one, one aspect of resting is obviously sleeping. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite parts of having the day off from work. And it's always been my favorite part of, you know, taking the day off, is sleeping. I love my sleep. Now, I, I'm the kind of guy, I can go, I, I, can, uh, I can make it through the day with six hours of sleep. Um, an indulgence for me is, a, is, is, a, is an eight-hour sleep. I I obviously can sleep longer than that, but that's around about the amount of time that I get to sleep every day. Now, 
what most people don't know is is that sleeping when you actually look for the scientific reason the scientific reason for why we sleep did you know we don't actually know uh, there there are many doctors scientists who are actually quite embarrassed about the fact that we can't even answer this basic question we do not know why people sleep now we know the aftermath of it the consequence of not sleeping but we don't know so much the very reason why we need to sleep we just know what happens when we don't sleep and that is death so we need sleep now think so much I, I, I want you to think about rest I want you to think about living I want you to think about this and just think about what what that is all about now uh, hopefully I'm not gonna th this is not gonna be a long episode but it's just something that I wanna that I want to get into now the whole evolution uh, creation debate everyone knows then when it comes to this issue I am a lot more f open-minded I am not a young earth creationist and I don't see any reason to really dismiss uh, what science has taught us what I think is clear though is that we know God created it I'm not willing to to uh, move away from that thesis now whether it took God billions of years millions of years I think is besides the point but seventh day of creation the day of coronation uh, Genesis uh, 2 uh, verses 2 to 3 uh, is a very very uh, um, I think important passage for what I want to share you today so let me just get that Genesis 2 verse 2 3 I actually need to write this stuff down and then read it and not actually find it anyways Genesis 2 verses 2 to 3 on the seventh day God finished his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested in it from all his work which he had created and made that's from the world English Bible now theologians have done quite a bit of study on this and I would recommend that if you are someone that is into the whole creation science debate evolution and stuff um, and you want to get more into the theological areas of that which I am more exposed to because I'm a you know I'm a a, a, a the theology guy more than a science guy even though I do read science theology would be more up my alley but I would really really I mean I, I can't overemphasize this get like recommend the book by uh, John Walton on the lost world of Adam and Eve where he goes through what this means now back in the ancient context when we're speaking about Mesopotamia um, the Enuma Eilish and all of those uh, assuming that I'm saying the words right uh, when we go into those various epics what's very important to understand is that Genesis is very polemical in the way that it deals with la with with the language and when it says this uh, when it says God rested on the seventh day you need to remember the Bible says God does not slumber nor sleep and God God is not the kind of God that is going to take a break or a nap so what is this rest all about that the Bible speaking about now that rest 
is kind of um, drawing from, well, it isn't kind of drawing from, I think it is drawing from, uh, the pagan notion that said the spirit of the gods would rest in the shrines and the temples in ancient literature, ancient times. So they would uh, they would build a shrine, a little temple or something, and they would invoke the presence of the go of 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 the gods, and they would say that the said god or deity that they invoke would then rest in this temple, and so uh, that that would be uh, that would be the sense in which they would rest. Now this is the kind of resting Genesis is talking about. It's speaking about the dwelling of God with men. So that we can rest. Now, now, no, notice what I said. God rests in creation so that we can rest. That's a very sobering thought, and I think it's an important thought. Christianity has this rotation on various themes in history um, and redemptive history, particularly. So, when we're looking at the Bible, uh, rest is something. Dwelling is something, peace is something that even in the broader Semitic, uh, you know, mindset, the, the concept of peace is really important. Now, the three major world religions, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. Now, obviously, I, I accept Judaism and Christianity as being progressive revelations from God. So, what is very important is that the emphasis of peace goes on, and even when you hear, you know, Muslims speaking about it, Salaam uh, Alaikum, you know, peace be, uh, peace be unto you, peace be upon you. Christians had the same greeting, Pax Vobiscum, and, you know, Shalom Aleichem, and all of these things means peace. Now, getting back to the concept of rest and stuff, I find it fascinating that uh, that Genesis is trying to uh, that, that that Genesis, when read properly, is not so much about God taking a break, knocking out, because th God doesn't need a break, but it's coronation language. The Bible speaks about the footstool of the earth and the throne uh, being. Uh, you know, heaven, heaven is uh, is his throne. It says in Psalm 103.19, Yahweh has established the throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. Now, for those of you not educated, Yahweh or Yehovah, the, the, the variants of the Tetragrammaton, is the name of God, usually translated in most Bibles as the Lord. Now, in Psalm Psalm 103, it says that God's throne is the heavens, and you get this in several other passages. And it says that the earth is his footstool, Isaiah 66.1. This is the point of Genesis. Genesis is telling you this entire natural world, natural universe with scientific laws, that they all contain within them the presence of God, at least initially. The story of sin is where that connection, that dwelling of God is disturbed. We as human beings, when we rejected God's guidance, when we rejected what God wanted, we 
we halted the creative process of what was supposed to be the fullness of creation. And through the agency of Adam, which I would call the first high priest, if you can even use that language, uh, death and sin was what we accumulated for ourselves. And so Christianity speaks about the, uh, you know, the end of peace for the creative universe, the created universe. And we look forward to a time where the dwelling of God will again be with men. Uh, as, as it is said in, let me just get this passage, uh, the tent of God is with men. It says that in Revelation, the dwelling of God is with men. It says in Revelation 21.3, I heard a loud voice out of heaven saying, Behold, God's dwelling is with people, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. Now, this is the, the, the picture about heaven, about what it's really about. So, it's easy to think about what I'm... You know, about what's going to happen to me after I die. And sadly, much of the theology in evangelicalism about what happens after I die becomes the the focal point of Christian, uh, Christian uh, uh, experience. Uh, sadly, that's not so much the way the biblical writers thought about heaven and hell. They didn't think about it in these weirdly dualistic you know, semi-pagan ways of thinking. For Christians, it was not so much only the afterlife, which was important, and I'm speaking about the eschatological afterlife, what happens post-judgment day, but it was also what we did with the time we had now as Christians. You see, as a priestly religion, Christians believe that we are all, that we are a kingdom of priests. That the beauty of God must be revived in every one, un un unless that happens, we perish. We've inherited sin and death. Sin and death means destruction. That is what hell is all about. Hell is the complete dehumanization of man. Hell is the second death. It is the complete rundown of what death is all about. It is separation from God in the ultimate sense of the word. Now, that is really an integral part of the Christian narrative. It is about rest. We lost that rest. One day, God will again rest with us. Now, there are two passages that I think are particularly important when dealing with this, and that is Hebrews 4, 9. It says, therefore, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So it's, it's looking towards something else. A Sabbath rest, the dwelling of God. And in Hebrews 10, and just get the verse out here. 
It says in Hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25, Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good works, not forsaking our assembling together as the custom of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So there's a day approaching where the fullness of God will one day be administered into creation. That's what Christianity speaks to. It's that narrative. We lost ourselves. We lost our way. Sin and death, that's the problem. In Jesus, those problems are addressed. God condemns sin in the flesh so that whoever is united to Jesus will also have sin abolished from them. So, so Jesus destroys sin on the cross and he destroys death. Now, we're reaping the benefits of that in the year and now. On the day of resurrection, the f the, on the final chapter of the eschatological vision, we are revived back to that place. A place where God will now be with us and there will be the revival of what it means to be truly human. That is why to be... Uh, to, to understand Christian spirituality, Christian spirituality is about how to be truly human. It's about how Christ should be formed in us. We say that Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says we have been crucified with Christ. just want to get that passage. Gen Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. That life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So, when you think of Jesus dying on the cross, a Christian believes that when he be that a Christian believes that when he first confesses Jesus, when he goes down into the waters of baptism, he becomes metaphysically identified, spiritually identified with Jesus so that he becomes a crucified person so that his old self has now been done away with in Jesus and it can no longer hold him down secondly now we are being revived back into the image of God and it's a concept that theologians called theosis in Eastern theology they tend to make more of a big deal about it. and I think that in the West one of the biggest tragedies is that we haven't focused on that concept because uh, in Western Christianity we focus about how does one get to heaven that's not so much I think a faithful way of dealing with what Paul wanted or any of the Christian Apostles so Christ needs to be formed in us Paul says in Galatians 4.19, My little children of whom I am again in travail until Christ is formed in you. There's this hymn, quite a, a like a traditional well-known hymn that says, Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. You see, sin takes away that reflection of beauty we have as Christians. It takes away all of that Death takes away all of that. It takes away what it means to be a representative, a reflection of God's divine beauty. 
so that we don't become beautiful anymore. We become dehumanized. And you know, we can speak about that for a very long time. So the point is to be revealed back into reflectors of God's reflectors of God's beauty, God's awesomeness, all that God is. And that is a very integral part of understanding this. Now, um, I'm, I'm quite excited about that vision to see Jesus Christ seen in me and to take that message to people and to say, hey, because that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, hey, repent. I'm not just saying cry and be miserable. Heavens no. There's something deeper to just that. To, to just making people convicted. And conviction about what they have done wrong is all part of the healing process. Don't get me wrong. But when you, rep when, when you ask someone to repent, you're telling him, stop looking at life the way you've been looking at it for since ever. Stop what you're doing. Jesus has made this new path to God. Jesus has reconciled. He has brought reconciliation back. Follow him and you will find your way back into a life of satisfaction. And I'm not talking about necessarily, necessarily prosperity or anything like that. What I'm saying is a deeper satisfaction, a deeper joy. And hopefully you guys have listened to the previous episode. And yeah, that's really what I want to speak about is to find rest. Uh, the world is filled with so much noise, filled with so much, I think, just unfortunate circumstances. And all I would like to say is, you don't need to do that. You can find rest. Jesus says, come to me. I just want to find that passage here. That says, come to me. And I will give you rest. Let's get that. Jesus says in Matthew 11 verse 28. Come to me all who labor and are heavily burdened. And I will give you rest. I want to say. Sometimes the world is full of noise. And there's a lot to enjoy in the world. And I think precisely because it is a reflection of God's joy, God's beauty, God's, you know, the goodness of God. But sometimes life gets too much. And I don't even think sometimes money and all of that kind of stuff can really give us that happiness. It can give us happiness for a while. But I find it fascinating that, you know, boredom is actually, you know, what boredom does to people... We become bored with life. How do we evade that? And what are we to say about a life full of boredom, monoton monotonous, um, you know, exercises? I say, again the same thing I said in the last episode, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Christianity is not about how many times you pray each day. It's not about the things you do, or that you can even do. It's about something deeper than that. It's something about being human. Hey, I mess up. I do it. But you know what? There's hope. 
And hopefully, if anything made sense to you, you know, I, you know, my, 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 uh, blog, my, my contact details are freely available for you, uh, to contact me, uh, mwitlouw at gmail.com. I'd be happy to hear from you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for listening to The Host, Eucharistic and Hipster Talk with Maverick.